Now, Spencer, this is an exciting moment. What Listen, do you think of the Golden just, Bear Jack Nicholson? And he just smiles like, you idiot. If I put it on forwards, it's just like, <laughs> this course is electric. <laughs> this is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Recently, we spoke with the young man, Malik Moore, at the forefront of BYU football's Black Lives Matter movement and video production. Watch this once again. My brothers have many colors. My brother believes the same color. My brother embraces my differences. My brother stands with me, not against me. My brother helps me in time of need. My brother stands for justice. Stand up and take action. Don't wish for change, be the change. Don't wish for change, be the change. Don't wish for change, be the change. We've watched inequality, racism, and oppression by the system for far too long. We are tired. We want justice. We want justice. We want justice. Stand with us and help bring justice to the heinous actions that reoccur too often in the black community. Stand and bring justice and equality. We're all one and all part of the human race. No matter who you are, be the voice to those around you. Don't be blind to the injustice and the inequalities in our country. This is for George Floyd. This is for George Floyd. This is for George Floyd and the countless others who've died from the hands of injustice. Let's all come together and be one and stand for what's right. We need everyone to help make change. This can't be done alone. This can't be done alone. This can't be done alone. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Malik Moore joining us on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. And we began the interview with Malik by asking him how this COVID summer has altered preparations for the upcoming football season. Man, that has been crazy for sure. Like having to wear a mask everywhere. and The preparation is for sure different. It takes like a lot of uh, adjusting to do. Cause we never, you know what I'm saying? We've never been, it's never been like this before ever. So, I mean, the new normal is is crazy. How are preparations going for the season right now? It's going good. Um, it's it's fortunate that we we're able to start a little earlier than a lot of schools working out while like working out and uh, just getting prepared for the season. Um, I mean, it's going good. <laughs> oh, it's really it's not really not much you can really say about it. It's just working out and everything's on a time schedule. Got to take your temperature before every before every day, every day. So I mean, it's nothing, nothing, nothing really big. But. Yeah, well, of course. I mean, staying healthy is priority number one, especially when you're ten weeks away from uh, the potential start of the college football season. We want to know more about you. I mentioned that you went to Point Loma High School. You're from San Diego, but tell us how you ended up at BYU and when the Cougars kind of came into your scope. Um, so the uh, BYU came to my school one day and my coach called me and was like, Hey, BYU's here. Uh, come chit chat for a little bit. And it was a couple of me and my teammates. And then uh, it was coach lamb who was actually there at the time. And I didn't know BYU was even like a school, let alone like know what the LDS religion was. So I'm, I see the why and I'm like, Yale or whatever <laughs> it is. <laughs> they came and. Uh, they told me all about the school. Like, I had no idea what it was. And then, uh, it kind of just went from there. And then we kept on we kept on talking. And uh, we just, you know, kept in contact. And December came around. I went on my visit. And that's really when they officially offered me. And then I just committed. I liked it. I liked the environment there. Um, I just like what BYU has going on for the players. And the coaching staff here is, like, 
it's it's amazing. Family oriented and they care about you. So what what uh convinced you in the you mentioned some of the reason, but was there a moment where we were like, Oh, this is I went from thinking it was Yale to no, it's something very different, right? <laughs> um I think whenever I think whenever I was on my I think whenever I was on my visit, just the way they were talking about the connections that you can get here at BYU and just the networking here. And for me, it's like it's bigger. It's always bigger than football because you know football is temporary. You can get hurt, and your your career is you know it can be over. So I mean, the networking, like the future that BYU can give you, was something that really just caught my eye. So. BYU junior defensive back Malik Moore with us on BYU Sports Nation. Malik, uh, we look forward to extraordinary things that you're going to do on the football field, but we need to give you credit for an extraordinary project that you took on and really just knocked out of the park. Um, You were a huge part of composing the words to the Black Lives Matter video that you and your BYU football brothers put out, and it really resonated uh, not just across BYU Sports Nation, but it, it reached a lot of people. So walk us through the process of that. When, when did you feel like you wanted to do that? And and when did you present it to uh, your guys that you wanted to go forward and do this thing? Um, so really, after George Floyd's uh, death, a couple of days later, I just kind of woke up. And I just like, it was just something that was on my heart that was really strong about it. And I was like, wow, like, I think we really have to, like do something because we're given this big platform and like me doing it by myself is post on Instagram. It might not go anywhere. So it's like, for me, I just had to just kind of uh, just want to do something with the platform. So I texted like my coach, I was like, yo, should I do something about it? And obviously he said, yes. Cause I personally didn't think that BYU was going to, was going to allow us to do it or anything or like approve it. So I was like, um, it was kind of like not nerve wracking, but um it was definitely like questionable, but it was something I really wanted to do. And then I kind of just texted a lot of players and I was like, would y'all be interested in uh, doing this video? Texted a couple of friends for some help, called my mom. <laughs> Cause I called mom for everything. I was like, I want to write the script. What should I say? Mama, like I had this idea, but she gave me a couple of ideas and then we just, it just rolled from there. And um, it's a short little script. And I just started writing and I asked a whole bunch of players uh, just a different group, minority from different backgrounds. Uh, just if they would be able to just say one line and to support it. And I'll see a big part of it too with coming up with, um, or with the whole idea was, um, so like Bachelor had a, um, like a, I guess, uh, a silent protest at, at the, at a park down here in Provo. And then I think I've seen, I've seen a lot of my teammates there too. And I was like, okay, like I understand I'm gonna have a lot of support behind this video. So, like, I just got to do it now. Like, I just have to invite all those people that were there at the protest and, like, people who also weren't there on the team. But um, I know it's kind of – it was just kind of simple, simple thing. Um, and it went a long way, and I'm glad for it, too. And I know a lot of schools now are kind of following along with it. Like, I know San Jose came out the video. Uh, Utah is doing a lot of things now, too. So, Yeah. Yeah, it was great. It was a great message as a program. It really was. And to see multiple guys from different backgrounds, um, that was amazing as well. How, how has this been received? What's what's the kind of uh, impact that you're seeing it, it's had? <clears throat> um, personally, I haven't seen a big impact. I've been getting a lot of just congratulations and like thank yous for being a big voice of the 
a big voice for the, you know what I'm saying, for the program or just for the whole movement going on. Um, but I think I've, I've also seen it reach a lot of big people. I think uh, like Fox News talked about that and Donovan Mitchell and something else. Um, so, I mean, I think that's big. Just that alone goes a long way, you know. So I think it's going to have a – it has a big impact everywhere regardless. But, um, but yeah, was, yeah. It's an outstanding video, Malik, and uh, I'm probably underselling it. Um, but we want to know what we can do um, as a community – to to be more outspoken and to move forward and to, and to make a difference not just here at BYU but out in our families and uh, in our individual communities. What what can we do? Um, for me, I think the biggest thing that a lot of people, especially when I come out of Utah, a lot of people uh, they haven't really experienced a lot of different cultures and a lot of because it's not really much, it's not really much diversity here and a lot of places in the world as well. So I think for people, some, a big thing that people can do is just to simply kind of just surround yourself with more, with different people that aren't like you, that have different beliefs, not just people who are LDS or just Christian or Muslim, you know, like surround yourself with a lot of people with different backgrounds, different cultures, and get to know them and like understand them and understand where they're coming from and just look into the history books of like, if you don't understand anything, just look into a history, like go online and research, you know? Because a lot of things aren't what it seems to be in this world nowadays. Like, it's ever since the Black movement came around, like, a lot of history has really popped up about different statues that stand. And, like, just a lot of this is a lot. It's crazy how much history has really popped up. So, I mean, the biggest thing is just to just understand people, surround yourself with people who are just totally different from you, no matter what, just totally different. Could be, like, gay, straight, doesn't matter. It's, you know what I'm saying? Get to understand them. And to just look into the history books more. And I think that'll take you, a lot of people, a long ways um, getting to know this whole movement. Because the Black Lives Matter movement isn't just about Black lives. It's, it's like, you know what I'm saying? It's, just, it's, a lot, it's, a, it's Black it's Black Lives Matter, but there's more, there's, there's a lot more to it. So, Absolutely. <laughs> and I had a conversation, frankly, with someone close to me recently that that uh, was a little uncomfortable where I felt like I needed to not just sit back and say, well, maybe that's them, not me. And a couple months ago, I think I would have just been like, well, that's what they think. But I had a conversation with Link with someone because of this movement where I said, you know what? I want to kind of discuss this a little more and, and discuss how you feel and, and maybe how I feel about what you think. And uh, it was a little uncomfortable because a few months ago I wouldn't have done that, but I really appreciate that now uh, we learned from Derwin Gray. You can't just be not racist. You have to be anti-racist and, and yeah. take action. So I really appreciate that, and, and hopefully I can continue to do that. And, and we've watched uh, different things on Netflix and learned. I didn't realize, Malik, that you and I live on a different planet. I just – you know <laughs> what I mean? I didn't realize it, and now we realize it. So – I'm happy that action's being taken and hopefully we can all be better for this and that this won't be just a temporary thing right now. Yeah, this has to be something that really has to just keep on going and progressing because sadly, racism is going to be, it's going to be around, you know what I'm saying, for a long time. It's just a matter of you being able to understand people and like, like you said before, just taking action to people who are just kind of being, I guess, blind to what's really going on and the injustices in the world right now because 
it's a lot of it's a lot of things is happening. A lot of people are just really just kind of going like this towards it. So and we can't do that. Got to take action, like you said, and be the voice around you. Like educate yourself and be the voice and to those people who may not think the same. So well, all Malik, the ones Yeah, you should be commended for your efforts, and uh, we want you to know that we stand with you and we appreciate what you're doing and. Um, Please, at any time, let us know what else we can do as we move forward together uh, in, in promoting Black Lives Matter um, because uh, we're all sons and daughters of God, and uh, that, that's what we're focusing on. So thanks so much for the time, man. Appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me on, too. Malik Moore on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Man, it's hard not to appreciate uh, how genuine and real he is, and I love the backstory of I called my mom, yeah. you know, called mama, went through it uh, to discuss uh, what we wanted to do, how to uh, how to present this. And it just I thought it turned out perfectly. Yeah, everything, everything about it was was spot on. And uh, congratulations to him and to them for for doing that. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. On BYU Radio. In Studio B, Jerem Jordan, Spencer Linton here, and we have been discussing on our social media platforms our favorite where were you when moments. And it's time for Jerem and I to give you ours as they relate to BYU sports. It's hard enough to start with the one where we were literally standing next to each other in Rice Echo Stadium in November of 2006, Beck to Harleen. Yeah. Uh, that'll be hard to forget. That was fun. Uh, I remember where I was. I was right next to you. <laughs> we drove to the game together with Jordan Feinauer. So uh, Beck to Harleen. So we are on the uh, left sideline here. And, uh, yeah, Beck does his thing and uh, rolls to his right. Find this guy! You know, and that was amazing. That was amazing. And I have told the story, but I dropped my lens, and uh, oh, yep, there we shadow. are. There, there we are. There we are. Yeah, uh, I dropped the lens because I had the camera, f- and uh, yeah, I just watched it with my eye instead of shooting it. <laughs> so that's why I'm not a cameraman or woman because I'm not good at it. Uh, so props to our very capable and excellent camera people. So yeah, Beck Tarlene, <laughs> amazing moment. My mom is at this game. So my mom's a kook, right? My stepdad, <laughs> my stepdad is a Ute, okay? And they are in that end zone up like 15 rows right there. And so I'm just like up at my mom, you know, I'm like, yeah, that happened. We're here. We had this moment, right? And you and I had that moment. You kept saying, saying oh, my gosh. That was your reaction. You can see in the spot shadow after that, that I just, when, when he throws the ball, I'm like, trying to see around people. So I do like this little jump because, I, again, we're like, who is he throwing the ball to? Literally, there's only two people in that stadium that knew where that ball was going. That's it. John and Johnny. That's it. There's nobody else. And if Wild. you say otherwise, you're a liar. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Tanner Mangum, the, the Hail Mary. So you are – David and Blaine are at uh, you know, Lincoln, Lincoln Memorial. Memorial. You are hosting Countdown, and I am uh, – or the about to host the postgame show. I am producing said postgame show. And uh, you are what, in the green room watching this? I'm in the green room with Brian Logan. And David Nixon. And David Nixon. And the emotions are, uh, are high as this play is about to happen. And, and Brian's frustrations are coming out. He's like, 
We're gonna do, why do we always come up one play short? So stupid. And then Mitch Matthews catches that ball. We went absolutely bonkers. Brian Logan is literally sprinting up and down the hallways. <laughs> and he's fast, dude. Screaming at the top of his <laughs> lungs. I'm hugging David Nixon. Then Brian comes back in after he's done sprinting around. We all hug. And then we run into Studio C, and it's just to get ready. Pandalarium, Jerem. Yeah. It was pandemonium yeah. in there. Pandalarium's um, an inside joke. With yeah. 200 BYU fans, including <laughs> at History Geek 1776. Who was there? Yeah, yeah. I was there. I'll never forget it. That it was, was just incredible. So, I, so I'm, on, I, I'm on headset preparing our crew. We're sitting there the whole fourth quarter getting ready for the postgame. And I say before the play, I go, either we're never going to remember this moment or we will remember it forever. It's one of the two, right? <laughs> if he catches it or he doesn't. So everyone goes, yeah! You know, there's like just everyone's. It's crazy. And one of our producers, Harrison Collier, goes, gosh, because everyone yelling in his headset. So he throws it down. He's all mad because everyone just screamed in his headset. He wants a certain level of professionalism that's absolutely warranted, except when there's a Hail Mary. You know what I mean? So that was funny. Yes, and Harrison still struggles with his inner ear. <laughs> okay, Cotton Bowl, Kansas State, 97. This is the 96 oh, season. It's Omar the, Morgan. It's the only New Year's Six game. Okay, When KOKLUI catches the game, would-be game-winning touchdown pass, right, the, or what, what it was, I'm at uh, Keith Brown's, Keith and, and Lisa. Keith is my step-uncle mm. at this moment. He later doesn't become my step-uncle because my dad gets divorced the second time. Anyway, so Lisa and Keith have a baby that's sleeping, and we can't cheer. It's really hard not to cheer when this happens. Oh, my goodness. Fury's 13-1, and one, trying to win this game. Come back. This is an epic game. KO's doing his he, – he caps off what he started the season with against Texas A&M with the game-winning touchdown pass. And then Omar Morgan with the pick. It was so hard not to be loud. And I love the story there. Uh, I believe Ed Keel is involved there when he says – Brian's older brother. He recognizes the play and signals to Chris Ellison, He's, they're going to run a quick slant here. Or sorry, he, not Chris Ellison, but Omar, Omar Morgan. Morgan. Omar he tells Morgan. him what's he coming. He tells like, hey, 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 be ready. And boom, pass is intercepted. That is teamwork. Yes, and that's film study. And that's recognition, right? Because Kansas State's probably going to win that game. If Omar Morgan doesn't pick that off, they're going to go down and score. They were ranked 19th. They were good. That's in the Cotton Bowl. They are ranked 14th. They were ranked 14th. Okay, even better. Like, that was a big play. Yeah, I was in the basement uh, of my home watching that. And I just, I just remember my dad saying, now, Spencer, this is an exciting moment, but I mean, it's, it's, you need to settle down. I was like, no, I'm going to go crazy for the next, the rest of today. Is okay? that how watching games were in your home? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Not typically. I, I may have gotten a little out of hand. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the, the, your dad making sure it was. I've been bouncing off the walls. I, I was a little out of, out of control. Because <laughs> I don't know. I, Listen, when I'm watching a game, I want to get riled, I want to get mad, I want to get excited, I want you know what I mean. The funny thing is, as he got older, he was the guy that became outlandish and loud. Yeah, and my mom's like, "Can't settle down. You need you need to settle. It's just a game." So I'm I met the, uh, you know, uh, pediatrician the other day, and this this dude named Kent Linton is apparently a doctor nearby or or, or something, and and uh, I'm like, "Hey, is this 
who is this? Is this related <laughs> to you? That's your dad's name, your middle name's Ken. Yeah. I'm like, who is this guy? So, anyways, Kent Linton, whoever you are, you're getting free pump. Oh, hey, anyway, what's up, man? Okay, uh, Jim or Fredette. So, let's. What, what do you want to talk about? You want to talk about Gonzaga, New Mexico? Which okay, uh, so the other 52 point State? game, just because it's a really, really funny story. I New am, Mexico semifinals. I am sitting in the media slash. Uh, athletes room at the BNP Paribas Open, which is a huge tennis tournament in Indian Wells, California. And I am watching this game. I asked somebody to change it to uh, whatever network it was on. This is CBS Sports. College Or Sports. CBS College Sports. Yeah, yeah. So, and we've got a terrible feed. So it's like grainy and kind of coming in and out. That's called SD. All right. <laughs> Not a great picture, but I am glued to this TV. And I, I no joke. I am sitting next to Novak Djokovic. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Wow. He and Who's his, in the news right now? He and his coach and uh, someone else from his training staff. Do you watch this they're, they're Djokovic? at the table next to me. They are not paying attention to this oh, at all. Oh, he doesn't care. Okay? Yeah. But they are sitting next to me at the table eating lunch or whatever, and I'm watching Jimmer Fredette go off because I know what a tough matchup New Mexico is just – Pleading, hoping they had won both in the regular season. That Jimmer right? can carry BYU into the tournament final, and uh, and he did it, man. Fifty-two points. I was excited, you know. But yeah, that's the <laughs> Novak Djokovic just sitting that's on the table I, I, next to me. I've never heard that one. And I could have cared less. I'm like, yeah, great. You're the number one tennis player in the world. What's Jimmer Fredette doing? I'm on the other end of the stadium courtside. Uh, they put kind of a uh, excess media around the ring. And my uh, wife, we had just gotten uh, married, or we were about to be married. We were engaged. And she's a, she was a sports information director with BYU. So we were at all the same stuff. It was, it was a really fun time. So, we, yeah, we sat next to each other during that one. It was just crazy. So it's like, all right, she goes off to work. I go off to work. But we enjoyed the game together. Okay, Lavelle Edwards, oh, man. last game at BYU. Oh. So uh, this is at Utah. It's 2000. We know this is last game. BYU had beaten New Mexico the week before. And BYU just pulls off a miracle. It's, it's you know, 4th and 13, and Staley fumbled, but there's no review, which is awesome. Jonathan Pittman twice, and then Doman runs it in. And it's just this unbelievable way to end Lavelle's career. I'm in the stadium on the opposite end of the stadium in the end zone. So I'm, I'm in the northwest uh, part, and I'm just praying for a miracle. Yes. And somehow it happened, man. You know, I'm not one that's like, okay, divine. Is that Kalani Sataki on the block? There? Yes. Yep, yep. Maybe he was the best tour number oh, 34. Oh, interesting. Because he preserved Lavelle's last miracle. <sighs> he wasn't better than Fred Roberts. Come on. Come guy. on. We love Kalani, though. I'm not one that's huge on, like, divine intervention in sporting moments. I don't believe that it actually happened. Okay. But I, legi- I legitimately, <laughs> in this moment, was praying so hard oh, yeah. that – Please let Lavelle win his last game. He cannot finish with a losing season, and it cannot come at the hands of Utah. It cannot be in this moment. Please. It's such a slippery slope, If dude. there is it's anybody so listening in heaven, let Lavelle win this last game. You're I, also no, praying I, that Utah loses. I legitimately yeah. prayed, and I don't know that I've ever prayed like that ever in a game. That's the one game yeah. where I'm just like, I, I need, please, heaven, please. Just give Lavelle this. I didn't. Even, it wasn't even for me. It was like just, just let Lavelle win. This is such a slippery slope. <laughs> wow. I know. I know. Because I, I don't. I'm telling you how I felt as an 18 year old yes, kid. Yes. Yes. And I'm telling you that I feel like Tanner Mangum had the perfect response to this. By the way, so after 
at Nebraska and or Boise State. He goes on the Dan Patrick Show, and Dan asks him an unbelievable question. I think Dan's really good at interviewing people. He says, do you think God cares about sports? Mm, mm. It's a legit question, right? Like, we all think that God, like here, we believe that God cares about your life, right? Yes. That he's in the details. He loves you. Tanner said, I don't believe that he cares about sports per se, but I know he cares about people. And I thought that was the perfect God response. God cares about the individual. Yes, that was the perfect response. God's not. If God cared about BYU football, BYU would have won a national championship since 84. You know what I mean? Like, if that really was the case, <laughs> BYU would have won some ships. But he cares about the individuals, <laughs> right? And uh, that just happened to be, like, you, you know who calls it a miracle? The BYU fans, the Utah fans. Don't no. see it the same way. You know what I mean? And we have ignored, quote, unquote, miracles on the other side. Just, yeah. Just be careful. It was oh no, no question. Yeah. I just I, and I never got emotional during games. I was emotional. <laughs> you never got emotional. No, meaning like crying. Oh, like crying. I was like, I, what do you mean? I cried when Lavelle won his last game. That was just yeah, like, it was epic, man. Unbelievable. It was epic. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Let's get to Top 5 Tuesday presented by Delta Airlines. And so far on Top 5 Tuesdays, we've highlighted generally the biggest stars performing in the biggest games on the biggest stages. But today, we widen the lens and relive some of the best games from players other than Jimmer Fredette, Ty Detmer. We call it Hidden Gems, Jeremy. Okay, number five. Perhaps you remember this one because it's so recent, but kind of cool against Boise State. In 2015, BYU is coming off Hail Mary. Kind of Kua has not one, not two, but three interceptions in this game. You remember the last one the most because it sealed the game. BYU just had Hail Mary part two to Mitchell Jurgens, and Kai almost takes two back. Here's the play where he picks it off, and Spencer, in this moment, that oh, stadium was unbelievable. Oh, my goodness. It rivaled Gennaro Guilford against Utah with that pick. When he scores, I, the place just... The roof blew off Lavelleford Stadium. Because BYU could have kneeled it out, but there's no bigger gut punch than just taking that to the house. Three interceptions. Kind of cool. Won that game for pretty, BYU. Pretty awesome. Number four. Can I get a shout-out for Luke Ashworth? Oh, yeah, baby. And his performance against Colorado State in 2010. Ashworth caught four passes for 117 yards. All four catches were touchdowns. How about that? Hey, what'd you do today, Luke? Well, I scored 24 points for my team. BYU routing the Rams 49 to 10 behind number 29, Luke Ashworth. That was an incredible performance. Number three, facing Utah State in 2002. BYU was down 34 7 at halftime. Enter freshman Curtis Brown. 217 yards in the game, three touchdowns in the largest comeback in BYU history. He added four catches for 49 yards. As well, BYU goes on to win 35-34. I was visiting some friends at Utah State. I was in the Utah student section rooting for BYU and watched this miracle in person, man. This was crazy. It was 34-7. to Yeah. The game's over, man. My guy Kevin Curtis on Utah State yeah, from my neighborhood, he was that. amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was an incredible comeback. And to this day, the 27-point comeback, largest in BYU history. All right, CB6, number two. Our guy, C. Stu 7, Christian Stewart at number two, out-dueling Jared Goff, of all people. 
42-35 and a win at California to end the 2014 regular season. C. Stu goes for 433 yards, five touchdowns, including that gem to Jordan Leslie, who caught five passes for 183 yards and two touchdowns. Christian Stewart, the guy threw 25 touchdown passes in eight starts. Yeah, that was that was incredible. That was incredible. And that kept Cal out of a bowl game, by the way. And the number one hidden gem, Chase Fisher, 2014. He sets a BYU program record with 10 three-pointers. <laughs> Nine in the first half against Chaminade. Uh, BYU made 17 in the game. By the way, BYU made what? 17 in four games this yes, past season? last season. BYU won 121-85. Chaminade, what are they? D2, I think. Um, we're NAIA at one point. So, I don't care who you're playing, dude. Ten threes is unbelievable. Nine and a half. Sports Center's cutting into whatever live programming they had to talk about Chase Fisher's made nine three-pointers in the first half. <laughs> <laughs> That's unbelievable. Yeah, 121. Woo! See Fish. Outstanding. Let's get to a too high, too low, or just right. Presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. I'll start, Jason, at number one. Stadium Sports' Jeff Goodman ranks Tom Homo third among non-Power 5 athletic directors based on hiring football and basketball coaches. Is that too high, too low, or just right? Uh, I I'll give a little context here very quickly. For football, he's given an A- minus for football. He's given a B-plus for basketball. I think the basketball should be higher than a B-plus. I also think it should be an A-minus. So I'm going to say it's too low. I think it actually should be a little higher because I think the basketball, his basketball grade should be higher. Okay. From from Jeff Goodman. Yeah, I think if there's an A-minus, if there were only one A-minus, I would give it to basketball based on what Dave Rose accomplished. Agreed. Agreed. And Mark Pope. Like, so if there's going to be one B-plus and one A-minus, it probably should be basketball getting the A-minus. Yeah. There. All right. Next. All right, CBS Sports ranks Fred Warner as the ninth best NFL linebacker in behind somebody else who went to Utah State. <laughs> Doesn't, it's fine. Uh, Spencer Linton, too high, too low, or just right? Ninth best NFL linebacker. Um, I think this is just about right, Jason. Fred Warner is a top ten linebacker in the NFL. I mean, the guy with the 49ers got himself to the Super Bowl, had an interception in the Super Bowl. He is... Clearly uh, solidifying himself as one of the emotional leaders, uh, not just by uh, talking, but but showing it on the field. He's a top ten NFL linebacker. I think it's just right. Yeah, and the numbers the numbers back that up. I mean, whether whether take take the opinion out of it. If you just look at the numbers, the numbers back that up. And in two in his two years, he's already played in a Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, again, and like I said, making an impact. Yes, in the and biggest making game. making an impact. Luckily. Sorry, Fred, but the 49ers lost the Chiefs. <laughs> Best of both worlds, right? Fred played an amazing game. Fred got an time. INT, and which at the Chiefs time won. I was not excited about. But then in the end, I'm fine with it. <laughs> Number three, The Athletic did a mascot draft with six of their college football writers. Cosmo was a fifth-round pick by Nicole Auerbach. Jason, uh, fifth-round pick, too high, too low, or just right? It's too low. It's so low that I can't even comment on it because it makes me angry. Listen, it's drafting Tom Brady 199th overall in the sixth round. Great. If you want the goat to fall that far in the draft, fine. Fine by me. Is the Cougar the goat? Yes. 
Well, there's, there's some interesting plan words there. Is, is the cougar the goat? The cougar eats the goat. But you know where I'm going. Yes, yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, no, no, this is the, this is Tom Brady. This is this is Tom Brady falling to the sixth round. It's way too low. It's way too Come low. Come on. Come on. All right. That wraps up too high, too low, or just right. Our question of the day, which is a more accurate statement about BYU basketball and why? BYU's winning the transfer portal. Or, according to Joe Lenardi, BYU basketball is not an NCAA tournament team. In fact, they are not listed as one of the last 12 out right now. Joe Lenardi will come around. Have faith in that. He will when BYU wins. Because BYU games, will force they his will. hand. They, they, they will make it a thing, just like they did in Mark Pope's first season. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. And uh, we're continuing our wide receiver conversation. Earlier this morning, I spoke with Gunnar Romney on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. And, of course, I had to lead off with a comment about his hair, which looks like it's in mid-season form. Hey, I appreciate it, man. It's, it's an early morning. Just hopped <laughs> out the shower. Feeling good. Got, got the day going. I love it. I, listen, we try not to have bias here, although we have, you know, BYU bias. We work for BYU. But uh, I always say my Mormon colonies guys, the Romneys, so those are my guys. So I mentioned on the show that – my mom said, hey, your great-grandma was best friend with the Romney's great-grandma. I don't know all the connections, but I, I feel like we should hang out more. Is that a fair assessment? You know, I, I think we need to go on a lunch date or something like that, man. Plan something out just to, to get to know each other a little better because it seems like our families are pretty tight, so we need to do something like that. They are, but you're not as tight, you know, uh, as, uh, of course, you and your brother, uh, Baylor, the first brother-to-brother TD in, in BYU history. We're looking forward to the season a lot, and let's dive into a bunch of topics, but how many, how many more of those are we going to see? Because if Baylor plays, I, I'm sure he's going to throw to you again, right? Yeah. I mean, the quarterback situation right now, we don't really know who's going to play and who's going to be the guy, but whoever it is, if it's Baylor, then I'm, I'm hoping you'll see a lot more TDs this year. Do you, look, be a good time. do you look back at that and think how crazy that was? Because for him to, one, just come to BYU and walk on has been awesome, right? Let alone mm-hmm. to start games. And you could argue that the biggest win of 2019 was beating Boise State with, uh, with your brother at the helm. Yeah, I mean – things don't really hit you in the moment like that. But when you're looking back at it, you kind of realize how, how cool of an experience that was and how cool of a moment that actually was to, to enjoy. And so I'm, I'm really glad Baylor, he actually made this, the decision to come to BYU. Cause I know it was, it was kind of a, uh, it was kind of a hard decision for him to do that. But just the fact that everything worked out the way it did, it's really cool. Now, is he, uh, is he or you even the best athlete uh, around here? Because Baylor's wife, Elise, is elite with the track team. We've had her in studio. She's, she's a legit athlete, so I, I have that question. What do you think? I mean, that's, that's a topic that gets debated a lot in our family. <laughs> um, and it, gets, it gets pretty heated sometimes. I mean, Elise, she, she holds the school record for pole vault. Um, our younger brother, who just signed with BYU, too, is, he's, he's a freak athlete as well. And then our younger sister, um, she honestly might be the, the most athletic in the family she runs track and stuff but i mean we don't really know i mean only time will tell i guess yeah that's awesome and uh we're really looking forward to uh tate getting to byu at some point i have a son named tate by the way so there's another connection i i'm already a fan of your brother um tell, that's awesome tell us about 
uh, Tate, and, and he's a linebacker, kind of, uh, I guess, different. He's on the other side of the ball, right? And uh, where is he going on his mission again first? Yeah, so Tate actually left on his mission today. We, we oh, had wow. a farewell thing last night, said goodbye to him last night. So that's pretty cool. But he uh, he's assigned to go to Argentina. But, you know, with the whole COVID thing, he might get reassigned after the MTC. So we'll see what happens. Gotcha. But, yeah, Tate, he's a, he's a safety slash linebacker. So he plays on the defensive side of the ball. And he, he, he's the type of guy that will sell his body for the play. Just a ruthless defender. Uh, just wants to kill you on the field. Nicest guy off the field, but on the field, you do not want to go against him. Do, do you guys have a similar personality that way? Because you guys seem like really chill, yet very focused and driven, right? Is he, is he a little different from you guys or very similar? No. So me and both of my brothers, we all kind of have similar personality, just kind of quiet, more laid back off the field, but on the field, it kind of changes a little bit. Where do you get that from mom or dad? Cause I, I know your dad played, I believe your dad played at the war state Academy and of course basketball. I think he plays professionally. And then I heard he played football as well down there. Yeah. So he, he played basketball most of his life, but he did play football in high school. Um, but Honestly, that personality really just comes from nowhere because both of our parents are pretty, pretty outgoing and pretty, pretty social and talkative, but none of us are. So I don't know where <laughs> we get that from. Let's talk about uh, sort of your journey to BYU and then we'll get into what's going on here in the offseason. But so obviously we've talked about the Mormon colonies, Colonia Juarez and Dublin and Casas Grandes, right? Um, pioneers come west, they go to Mexico and they, they essentially farm, right? And uh, mm-hmm. so your family has ties down there. My family has ties down there. Walk us through the kind of journey of where you were born and then kind of where you move and how you end up in Chandler, Arizona. Yeah, so my my family has been down in the Mormon colonies for generations. So my dad was born down there. My grandpa was born down there. And so it was kind of the same thing. My dad moved out here to go to college, uh, went to college in, in Arizona, and then kind of moved back down there to, to join the family business and became a farmer. So that's where I was born was when, when my family was living down there lived down there for, for many years. I went to elementary school down there and it wasn't until I was 12 or 13 years old when we actually moved to the to the U S we moved to El Paso, Texas. That's where Baylor finished his high school career. And then as soon as, as soon as Baylor graduated, we moved over to, to Arizona where I finished my, my high school career for my junior and senior year. So it, it was, it was a really cool experience growing up like that. Um, I mean, it's, it's a pretty unique thing to be able to grow up in a different country and then, moved to the u.s and and still experience all that stuff so it was really cool and i assumed you guys moved to el paso for athletics because you're not getting recruited as a college athlete out of the mormon colonies uh you know it's just a little tougher down there right yeah so it, it was i i really credit my parents to this they made a huge sacrifice uh, my dad would commute to work every single day because he still works in mexico um but yeah so there's not a lot of not a lot of organized sports or organized clubs or activities going on down in mexico for for us to be able to to reach our pr- true potential in anything so they made the sacrifice for us to go to texas and that's where that's where we really really got into sports pretty heavily i mean we we played it here and then but like i said there's no organized stuff in mexico so uh just to be able to get that opportunity in el paso was huge for us to be able to grow and develop Hey, but JSA all the way, right? That's how it goes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, BYU plays at Arizona State this year. How many how many Romneys are going to show up to that one? Uh, that one, it's going to be a packed stadium. Probably half of them will be Romneys. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. It's the the family. Our family's pretty loyal when it comes to coming to games and supporting. And so I I I we have a huge support system. 
and most of them are in Arizona still. So it's it's going to be hard to find all them tickets. Yeah, it's it's going to be awesome. You're going to be uh you're going to be asked for a lot of those. Let's talk about how the off season's going for you. Uh, what are you working on? What are you up to? Yeah, so we're we're doing voluntary workouts right now for for football, but I mean that's not enough. We always talk about how um, doing the minimum isn't going to get you anywhere because everybody else in the country is doing those same workouts. So we all we do those and we all get together and we do more one on ones. We do more uh, individual drills. We do more lifting. We do more conditioning. Um, so it's it's pretty much an all day affair, just working out and stuff all day every day. Um, I mean, it's a grind and you have to sacrifice your summer, but it's it's worth it in the end. It pays off. Let's talk about this receivers group because last year was a senior heavy group, specifically among the receivers. Matt Bushman as a tight end is, I guess, a separate conversation. But uh, Micah Simon and Talon Shumway and Aleva Hifo, they were the top three in catches and yards. And then you, you are the leading returning guy. Do you feel positive pressure to step up and perhaps lead the team in catches and yards potentially? Yeah, you know, I really do. It's, it's a great opportunity to be able to step up and, and, you know, fill the shoes that those dudes left. Um, I mean, me and then Dax Millen returning, uh, two guys that we have experience. Um, and so I think we're both really excited to get in there and, and see uh, see what we can do. But we also have a lot of younger guys, a lot of younger talent coming up that we're, that'll we're that be able to help us out. So I'm actually really excited. You know, it's a pretty inexperienced group, but at the same time, it's a really talented group. So it'll it'll be fun to see. And that's the fun part about this. The expectations are, you know, up in the air because we're excited to see you and Dax and, and some of these others that you mentioned that I want to dive into here in a second. But we just we just don't know, which is exciting. Also a little scary, perhaps, but you and Dax, you mentioned. So uh, Dax, a former walk-on, would be, you know, uh, got a scholarship, had a tremendous season, two great catches that were like top 10 plays. So tell us about some of the other guys as well that you expect to perhaps have an impact like a Keanu Hill or a Cody Epps and others. Yeah. So I think, like you said, Keanu, he's a, he's a big body, really solid hands, run good routes. He should be able to step up. He is coming off of a little injury, but he, he should be able to step up and, and have a big impact. And then dudes like Cody Epps who had an outstanding high school career who just super talented, pretty highly recruited guy. I know the coaching staff and all of us receivers are really excited to get him on campus and get him going because I know he has he has a huge ceiling. He has a huge uh, huge potential. So hopefully we can get him and get into the mix. And then also guys like Chris Jackson, a JUCO transfer. He's been working out with us and he's looking really good. That man, that man's fast. He can he can burn. <laughs> um, so re- really really excited to get him into the mix too. And then just guys returning like Neil Powell, who we didn't have last year. Yeah. Um, just to just to sort of fill in the role. So I think I think we have a lot of weapons, and we're gonna we're gonna be able to use a lot of people. Certainly, opening the season as the only college football team to play four Power Fives in a row is challenging. What what excites you about the opportunity to show what BYU can do? I I personally love the schedule, and I love playing tough teams because it's it's like every week you you have a new challenge. You you're never, I mean, you should never look at uh, smaller games as being uh, being lesser, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's fun to be able to play those games and get more excited when you're playing big time teams. And so I, I just really look, look at it as a challenge for us and look at it as an opportunity to be able to show how good of a team we actually are and how good of a team we can actually be going into the season. Well, we are what, 10 weeks and one day away, which is crazy. So good luck with the uh, workouts, uh, stay safe and, uh, no product needed in that hair. Don't forget. Hey, appreciate it. <laughs> Gunnar Romney one-on-one with Jerem Jordan on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why, we show how.
he speaks a lot more than he used to. He was kind of oh, a yeah. quiet dude, and so I hope that that sort of uh, you know coming out of a shell uh, verbally translates to more leadership, more catches, more yards, more touchdowns. I think he can be a big-time receiver for BYU. I like the receivers group, Jerem, a lot. I'm feeling a lot better about it. A few months ago, I was like, who's going to do what? Now that I look at it, we talked to Gunnar, and we're going to talk to Fessy's coming up as well, Satake. Uh, I, I like the group. Let's go. Part of me is just wanting it to be good, but I think there's some talent. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. This week's Deep Blue on BYU Sports Nation dives into the lives of Jackson and Isaiah Kafusi, the other Kafusi brothers, the cousins of the OG Kafusi brothers. <laughs> and it details how football is way more than just a game for the Kafusi family. This is Deep Blue. Family in Polynesian culture, it's huge. You know, they're very family-oriented and family-centered. For us, it was always, you know, family first and then sports. At the end of the day, you know, my dad would always call us together as a family, and we have kind of a mini family home evening. We say what we were grateful for. We always ended in a prayer. Jackson and Isaiah are similar in that they're really both dedicated to football, but their approaches are completely different. Isaiah has really started to become a great leader for our team and our program. His ability to lead and to help and, and care for others has been unbelievable. Isaiah is very vocal in the meeting room. He's vocal in the locker room, out on the practice field. He's the kind that if he has a bad practice or a bad game, I'll get a text or a phone call from him. He wants to know what he can do better. And he really wears his uh, emotions and how much he cares about football out there in the open for everybody to see. And now there is a player hurt for BYU, and that's Isaiah Kafusi. There was a play during the first half that I you know, kind of got rolled up on, and my ankle felt my ankle pop. Immediately your heart just starts pounding. My husband bolted, and we knew he was heading straight for the locker room. You know, I knew that it was bad. You know, I couldn't really walk on it, and I felt it was probably better for the team for me to sit out. I didn't want to be detrimental to what was going on. I felt like he was playing one of the best games he's ever played. So that was really hard to watch him go down. And then to to lose the game was just like, it was just salt in the wound. I think it hit me pretty hard. A lot of guys just say, oh, that's just another loss. You know, it's like eight in a row, who cares? You know, you keep losing. But for me, it it was different. You know, it kind of had settled, you know, and, and the recovery process was long and hard. I think because of that reason. It was really hard on him and hard on his wife. It brought our family closer together to be there to support him and show him that we were there for him and love him, help them in any way we could. Playing them the first game this year, it was, it's a lot more motivating. It helped motivate me to recover and, and kind of be the best that I could be, really. But, yeah, it was a rough, you know, rough offseason, I guess you could say. Isaiah Kafusi. And the Cougar defense turns New Mexico State away. Jackson has a, a much cooler demeanor. He, his, he can come off at first uh, impression as if he doesn't care about, about sports and about football, but then he, he takes whatever his attitude is in the meeting room and it seems kind of disassociated, and then all of a sudden out on the field he knows exactly what's going on, and I can tell that he's paid a lot of attention and he's, he's really serious about the way he does it too. I like to think of myself as... 
know, kind of the more like humble, reserved, quiet. I want to try and lead by action kind of thing. I don't like to, to get hyped up and waste energy. I'd rather be focused and, and keep my mind clear so that I can react to things and so I can think of, you know, plays or situations in my head. One of my biggest dreams was to play together with my older brother. Once I saw that he was offered by BYU and he committed to BYU, you know, I was like, man, like Utah, I thought that was our dream. I went on my mission and, and that helped a lot because I wanted to, to be close with my Heavenly Father and I wanted to just set myself up for the right path in life. And I think I caught the vision that my brother did. He always talked about, you know, football's gonna end someday and to be able to have a family and, and get an education as good as BYU's and stay on the right path was a big thing for him, and I think it was a big thing for me as well once I caught that vision. It's just a one-stop shop for us down um, watching games down at BYU. So we love it, So and it saves us gas. <laughs> <laughs> brotherhood that they bring naturally has been awesome that they share it with the rest of the team so it's made us a lot closer as a group it's easy to see them connect with the rest of the teammates as, as brothers it's pure pure fun and joy to to watch your kids have fun out there and enjoy something that they love to do football to the Kafusi family means you're representing a family that has a lot of heart that loves everybody it's much more than just football, it's, it's family. And I, I love that part of it. And so I'm, I'm really grateful for the opportunity that I've had to come to BYU. That's what it's about, man. The, the, the Deep Blue segments are absolute gold. Deep Blue is a fantastic set of, of oh. videos. Like the, the stories that are told in those are just phenomenal. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Let's go one month at a time for BYU football as we look ahead to the 2020 football schedule. Jerem, what are the biggest games of each month in the 2020 BYU football season. All right, let's go month by month. So uh, August, no, just kidding. September, uh, Utah. Yes. I think that one's clear. Agreed. If I had to pick a second game, though, if it wasn't Utah, I think I'd go with Michigan State. This is a, a program that's been in the college football playoff final four. Uh, Minnesota certainly had a its greatest season. I mean, they had the most wins since 04, but they had high school teams in 04, literally. Um, so that was good. Arizona State's on the right. I think Michigan State's probably the September pick if it's not Utah, but it is Utah. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to go with Minnesota besides Utah just because oh, okay. it's in that terrible fourth-week spot. It's the fourth of four straight Power Fives. It's on the road. More Power Fives. Can BYU please change the rhetoric in that week four debacle that has existed in the recent past, especially in independence. You so, can change it. Just don't schedule Power Five. <laughs> it's, BYU controls this. I've got that one circled. All right, how on about October. An, how about an FCS team in week four? You know? Um, well, we've learned that in November, BYU TV will host uh, or will show all of the uh, highlights from the FCS game on an annual basis, right? That's a November BYU TV thing? No, we'll do it no matter what month know, it is. I know. Okay, in October, uh, I believe this is Missouri. Let's go over the games, by the way. Yeah, uh, I know we just showed them on a the graphic, but Utah State, 
uh, Missouri, Houston, and at Northern Illinois. So clearly it's not NIU. Uh, you could argue for Utah State rival, Missouri, SEC, Houston, not so much. I think it's Missouri. I think an SEC t- team coming to Provo, which has been very rare, is uh, a big deal, albeit against a team that went 6-6 six and six and has a new head coach. And I-, I think it's Missouri. I think SEC in Provo is a big deal. SEC in Provo takes the cake. That's the headliner of October. Yeah. But there is a case. All I heard was but. There is a case. Really, Jaron, for any of those group of five games. Really, Northern Illinois. Don't, don't. Come on, man. Remind me, Jaron. Toledo, South Florida, road games, group of five in October Mm -hmm. last year. Those were devastating for BYU. So while it might not produce the, whoa, result, like, hey, they beat those guys. What's the question? Losing those games could have the biggest ramification on the BYU football season. That Northern Illinois game has all the makings of South Florida last year. It's going to be at a, a de facto road site, so it's in Chicago, but yeah. so it's, it's a de facto road game. Yeah. And BYU should win that game, just like they should have beaten South Florida. So this that, is the battle for Nauvoo. That's what that game that is. That one worries me a little bit because you got to travel. It's a little bit later in the year, and BYU has already played a bunch of tough opponents so where it is, and based on the recent past, that, that worries me. So that could have the worst negative impact on BYU if they lose that game. Look at the question and say with a straight face that you think it's Northern Illinois. I'm not saying. I'm just saying like okay, 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 that okay. one has the biggest <laughs> potential negative impact. Well, so does Northern, North Alabama then. You know, like if we're going to go there. Realistic. No. Come on. Come on. Missouri. Come Missouri. on. Missouri. And, I said Missouri's the biggest game. And that one's the battle for independence and far west. Yeah, I said Missouri's the biggest game. That's yes. the headliner for sure. But yeah. even losing to Utah State or Houston, those are games that BYU, because those are home, BYU is going to be favored to win those games. They should be favored to win those games. I, I believe so. Houston is interesting. They were 4-8 and eight last year, and we expect them to be better, obviously. They were terrible. Got a good year. football coach, Dana Holgerson. Yeah, um, he w- and he was okay at West Virginia. He didn't like do anything crazy, right? Uh, as I recall. But anyway, uh, this is like church history tour in October or, or Missouri and Illinois. That's fun. Okay, on to November. Boise State seems like the logical pick here, right? It and, is, and it, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Stanford's going to be really interesting. That is the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints Bowl or Mormon Bowl uh, because you have uh, the defensive coordinator Lance Anderson. And you have several Stanford players who are members of the church who didn't go to BYU. Which Simi is, Fihoko. Which is the thing that happens. Houston Hemuli. Um, Tanner McKee. Yeah. Among others, right? So that's a fun one. So I think it's Boise State, but Stanford is a really interesting last game. I don't think that Stanford's going to be very good this year, by the way. I don't think Stanford's going to be super motivated in that game. They don't have a just standout running back. They had several offensive linemen grad transfer out, which is weird for them. Um, obviously, they're known for the big old lines. I think Stanford's on the decline. And so I, Boise State naturally is, is a huge game there. But Stanford's very intriguing. And it's nice to have two games in November that we are excited about. Because there have been certain years where there were zero, right? This last year, we were like, okay, San Diego State. is exciting. Like, it's hard to get up for San Diego State, you know, a little bit. San Diego State is in this month. We did not bring them up until this point. That's uh, the second game in November. But it's Boise State. But Stanford is a really fun one. That's a better November schedule than BYU has maybe ever had in Independence. Is it the best? Yeah, that's a good question. This might be the best ever because you have two quality group fives and then a power five of intrigue in Stanford. 
Okay. So I like Boise State because BYU's never won on the blue. They just, they have been. They have so, won on the blue. How dare you? Sorry. They have not they, defeated they Boise, Boise State. State on the blue. They yeah, beat yeah. Western Michigan yeah. in the Zach for, Wilson game. 18 for 18, baby. The Cougars have an opportunity to Wait. do something they've never done. Win against Boise State in Boise. BYU won its last game on the blue. I just want to point that out. They got a streak. They, they're trying to make a streak. <laughs> they got a streak going. <laughs> they're trying to make a streak. Trying to make it two straight on the blue. Well, they've, they've won on the blue and they beat Boise State last year. It wasn't even hard, by the way. BYU uh, played its third-string quarterback. Which, by the way, my mom informed me that Baylor and Gunnar Romney's great-grandmother and my great-grandmother were, like, tight. So that's why I connect with those guys. We, ju- we just have a history there. They okay. Were, they were really good friends. We'll see if Baylor Romney's the starting quarterback there. If so, something went terribly wrong. But he's ready to go if he needs to be. Okay, to recap, biggest games of each month. Jeremy and I are a consensus. It is Utah to open the season for yeah. September. Mm-hmm. In October, it's an SEC team in Provo at Lavelle Edwards Stadium with Missouri, although the negative impact falls on the group of five games. I'm not consensus on this. Like, if BYU loses to Missouri, it's not the same as BYU losing to any of those group of five teams in October. I agree, but that, uh, that's not the question. Okay. Yeah. And then November... We're consensus on Boise State. Mm-hmm. Stanford's fun. Listen, I want to call it the Mormon Bowl. I know I'm going to get tweets about, hey, it's Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Trust me, I know. They, they <laughs> signed the paycheck. Like, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But, but it's, it's interesting because this is, this is one of the most balanced and quality schedules BYU's ever produced. They play six power fives, still like two too many, in my opinion. But, uh, and if you, take, if you take two out of September, we... Let, let's say BYU took two of those Power Fives out of September. They play Utah and they play, say, Minnesota, week four. And let's say they play, you know, two winnable games in there. How excited, how much more excited would you be about the schedule? Because right now we're going, hey, seven or eight. There's nothing exciting about getting up for seven or eight wins. You know what is exciting? Thinking you might win ten. That's exciting. Not Vegas saying you win ten and then you win four. That's not what I'm talking about from 2017. I remember going, when you and I were at the BYU, at the Brigham, we would get excited thinking about, oh, this team could win 10 or 11. Who knows? Maybe it's special 12. We never in our wildest dreams thought, oh, seven or eight. That's where we're at now. Just imagine what September could be like with that. But it, it's, uh, it's balanced. You have four power fives in October. You have one, or, sorry, in September, one in October, but uh, quality uh, group fives in Utah State and Houston, right? Northern Illinois is a revenge game. The November is really compelling uh, with Boise State, San Diego State, North Alabama, live on BOTV, and Stanford. I mean, this is, this is kind of, I think, what Tom was trying to do originally. And he's been up here and said, you know, originally our idea was kind of four, uh, three or four, maybe maybe five, power five. And ESPN comes calling, they're like, hey, you want to play this game? Yeah, well, I, this game? and my, my hope is that BYU does say no sometimes. Maybe if, they do, we If don't they know. say yes every time, that's an issue, because then it's too hard, and you don't win enough to matter we we are we are the celebrators of single dates, not an entire marriage right now, right? Yeah, the date was great. It's like sweet, that's awesome. Does it lead to anything that lasts and or is meaningful? That's what I want, right? So this this is a this is a great schedule. It's probably too great. Hopefully BYU wins uh, nine. Let's go. Well, if you have enough good individual dates, then eventually it turns into. A consensus and going a into year ten. When's yeah. it going to happen? Well, for basketball, I'm saying like for basketball, it was whoa Houston, and then it, and then they won a couple other big. The Utah State, an entirely then, different combo for me. Okay, yeah. then it then yeah. it became. A I'm thing. talking about football. Okay. Yep. All right. Still single by choice. <laughs> Independent.
Our question of the day. Uh, here's what I want to ask now is like, if you could re- rebalance the schedule, where would you move games? I just told you. Okay. Weeks two and three. Would you move everything. Did we group five? I know, yeah. yeah. That's, that's an inter- intriguing conversation. A key defensive back is back at BYU. We just told you about Isaiah Heron pulling himself out of the transfer portal after perusing around some historical black colleges and universities and their football programs and deciding that he's going to stay at BYU. Now, I want to read the entirety of his very well-written statement, and I quote, I want to start off by saying thank you to all the historically black colleges and universities willing to give me an opportunity after I put my name in the transfer portal. I also want to thank BYU from the entire football staff to the president. I want to make it clear that my intentions to leave were not because of BYU. This place has been nothing but great to me by providing opportunities and relationships that I'm grateful to have. He continues, the reason I wanted to leave was due to the current climate in America in regards to racial injustice and the killing of unarmed black men and women. I felt a historically black college was the best place that I could help tackle these injustices because of the culture and locations of the schools. With a little more time to think, I have made the decision to stay here at BYU. I realized I can have an impact in this state by opening eyes here and help other African-Americans in Utah because of the small amount of diversity that's here. I'm looking forward to using my opportunities here to make a positive impact, end quote. Jason, I was so impressed with how this was thought out, presented, and uh, just Props to Isaiah Heron Look, for, in ter- for, for doing this. In terms of this, the statement excel, the, itself, you know, we, we can certainly get into what he was talking about. Sure. But in terms of the statement, this is how you put out a statement. This is fantastic. Very, very well Very, presented. very well, rep- okay. or well presented. Then there's this, Jason. Uh, he is a key player in the BYU yeah. secondary, which is loaded with talent. But losing him was like, ugh. Yeah. The thought of that was was uh, it was a blow to the to BYU defense. So, what does Isaiah Heron's return as a football player mean to BYU? Well, uh, and I'm going to touch on the football f- aspect on the field, but it, it, him coming back means a lot of different sure, things. Yeah, look, it means the BYU gets to keep a very talented player in the mix for playing time, and Her- and Heron. He's a guy that's obviously going to see the field. The coaches, they've invested a lot of time in him. They saw glimpses of what is possible, not just this year, but down the road once he continues to grow and progress. So I know they were excited about the opportunities that he has in the program. So from that standpoint, you're getting a very talented football player back and and on the field. It's also a very positive social message that he wants to stay and make an impact socially while at BYU. And he said, you know, originally he thought that he was going to have to leave in order to do that. But now he realizes the impact that he can have by staying here. So the, the social message that this presents means a lot. And the third thing it shows me is, and this is something that we've talked about with Kalani Sataki in the past. It means that even if you put your name in the transfer portal, you're not going to be written off. That there is an opportunity for you to come back. And I think that's a big deal for anybody that's in that situation. And Kalani has 
has shown that not just in this situation with Isaiah, but in other situations where guys, you know, for one reason or another, wanted to put their name in the transfer portal and then decided against it and decided to come back. It could be very easy for these coaches to say, hey, you, you wanted to leave so you can go. That's not the way Kalani Satake is handling that, and I, I think that speaks extremely highly of Kalani and the football coaches that these guys are welcomed back with open arms. Sure, if you can leave the door open, why not? And it's more conducive in a sport like football where the roster is just yes. generally way bigger. I mean, you have way more scholarships to work with, so you do have that luxury of saying, hey, if you change your mind, feel free to come back. Yes. Let's talk about it. Let's work through it. Whereas basketball, I mean, you have 13 scholarships. And it's like, okay, well, you got to tell me if you're going because if you go, then I'm probably going to offer this scholarship to somebody else because I need to protect my program. I got to watch out for somebody. So football does have that luxury over a sport like basketball where they're just, it's because the roster is bigger and the scholarships are more available. This is well played. You're right, by Kalani Satake in that regard. I love that Isaiah has made the decision to come back and make an impact at BYU. Frankly, we need it, Jason. We need it. Uh, the predominantly white culture at BYU is in need of uh, more understanding. And Derwin Gray used the word ignorance, as did Yoli Childs. And it, he's like, Yoli specifically said, I don't want this to, to seem as like um, that I'm, I'm throwing shade at uh, BYU or the people here. He's like, ignorance doesn't necessarily have to be a, a degrading thing. Um, and it has a bad connotation. It's just a lack of awareness. Yeah, not knowing. It's a lack of awareness. Yeah. And now we are having our eyes open to all of this. And so I like that Isaiah Heron is joining this movement to educate people in Provo and in Utah and in a state that doesn't have a ton of diversity. So I'm, I'm as grateful as I am for BYU. And, and I know that the coaches are stoked to have his athletic skill back on the field. This is, this is big. Uh, so the statement was well written and, and I'm, BYU needs him back to, to do this, to help us understand more and to uh, get rid of that ignorance. Yeah, it's a, he is a very talented football player that did a very mature thing in terms of going through the process and then ultimately deciding to come yeah. back, hoping that he can make an impact with social injustices. I, it's fantastic. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. We now welcome in on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline via Zoom, Fessy Satake, the wide receivers coach for BYU football. Fessy, first things first. I know you're a really good golfer, but there are some good golfers on that staff. Who's the best golfer on the coaching staff right now? Oh, you can't do that, man. I uh, I don't know. Golf is an interesting game because anyone can. There's enough guys who are good enough that you can beat anyone on any, any given day. But uh, I'm gonna plead the fifth on that one. You have to ask other people. So. Boo! <laughs> hey, we know you're good though because you got a hole in one, and the Wall Street Journal even included uh, a mention on online about it. So, is that one of the greatest athletic accomplishments of your life, or what? Oh yeah, for sure, man. I've been I've been waiting for that moment forever. I've played with I've played with um quite a few people who have at least claimed to have had a hole in one and and were trash golfers. I'm like, come on, how did these guys have holes in one? So 
so it was uh it was a awesome experience uh way more adrenaline than i could have imagined you know for golf and then uh, but so in terms of your question of who the who's the best golfer on the staff I, I don't know if I can ask that, but I can't say. I think I'm the only one to hold it once. So. Oh, snap. That's pretty good. Do we need to work on the interior design of your office? Do you have anything in there? We can't see anything. Um, What's going yeah, on, man? Right, right up here to my right, I got all the pictures. I've got Cody Hoffman, Austin Cauley. I've got uh, got some Mitch Matthews. I've got some good uh, good pictures, but um, you're not worthy to see my office right now. So. <laughs> Wow. Shots fired out of the gate. I didn't even think they'd let us in anyway with Man. COVID. But yeah. A guy gets a hole in one and uh, everything changes. Jeez. It looks dark in there. So I was showing you my blinds in the back. You guys look dark in that room. Over Hot in here. Man. <laughs> Oh, Fessy, uh, we're obviously excited that football is approaching. I can't believe we're essentially 10 weeks away from the scheduled start of BYU in Utah. Uh, when I bring up that number, uh, do you feel more panic or more excitement? More excitement, especially during these crazy times, man. Like, like just the more we get out, the more of uh, things I do that bring me a sense of normalcy, the more excited I get just because it's it's crawling out of these um, this madness and, and kind of into – what to me is is going to be normalcy, which is a football season. So um, definitely nothing but excitement there, and I uh, can't wait for it. Let's talk about your guys in a second, but how do you anticipate, and I know you guys are conversing and everyone's conversing about how we're going to make this work. Do you have any concerns or, or uh, I guess, how do you feel about trying to manage COVID-19 and yet still play football? I think on our end, we're, we're – we're great. We're ready. Um, a lot of this just comes down to teaching and education and letting the guys kind of educating them on, on the realities of what could happen. Um, and then there's the other side of things, which is the, the entertainment side, the fan side. I just hope that it gets to a point where if, if people are able to attend and watch um, that they feel comfortable doing so. And if they don't, I completely get it. But for those that are there that we're still able to kind of inject some excitement into the 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 atmosphere because because you guys know as well as anyone like that's that's what a lot of these guys thrive off of is is that environment that atmosphere to play um but in a worst case scenario where we don't play in front of people um we trust that these uh and believe these guys will be ready to go because they love the game um so regardless of the circumstances i think all of it just comes down to educating educating these guys on the different um scenarios that could happen um so that they're ready for um whatever comes BYU wide receivers coach Fessy Satake with us on BYU Sports Nation. You lost a lot of experience last year. We've talked about this before. Now that your guys uh, have had the summer and a unique summer at that um, to go on, how have they gotten better? How have you, how have you helped them get better? I think, I think um, there's a major blessing in disguise with their season spring ball being cut short. Um, and I say a blessing and I, for those who actually handled it the right way, this was a great opportunity for guys to be intrinsically motivated to do things on their own. And, you know, when you lose a bunch of seniors, um, I think it calls for a time to kind of step up, look, look in the mirror and say, all right, like this is my time to, 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 to take the bull by the horns and go. And so, you know, my worry would have been if I had a bunch of experience and we have downtime, there's a wave of guys, a pretty group that would probably be like, ah, you know, you know, I'm not, 
not going to get a lot of playing time or catches this year. Maybe it's a good time to just take a little vacation and wait for my time. And so the fact that I lost a bunch of leadership and we have had this pandemic hit where there's so much downtime, I think that's why my guys are, are getting better is because they are all motivated to fill in those roles, a major role that we've lost. And so I'm really excited. I know great progress has been made. We've obviously been able to meet and do meetings and stuff, but I'm just really excited to, to see these guys and the growth that they've made because I know it's been a, it's been a great one. Um, there's a lot of driven guys in that room. We saw and heard the growth from Gunnar Romney just in the way that he can express himself more than when he was a freshman. He's kind of shy, wouldn't say a lot. Yeah. And that was a great conversation we, we had with him earlier in the program. He's a guy that could be one of the top guys. And Neil Pau's back, which is great. And Dax Milne has shown a lot of progress, a guy that you essentially brought from Weber State uh, and others. Um, let's discuss where you think the leadership of this group, group is. Who are those guys? I think you named those three. Um, they, they're the guys who have the most uh, game time, playing experience. Um, they have seniority on the team. Um, and most importantly, I, I feel that they have the characteristics uh, to be great leaders. You know, all three of those guys in their own way, my, they're not the most, um, you know, vocal guys. When you think of a, of a charismatic vocal guy in, in recent history, you, you think of Micah Simon last year, right? Um, and he was great and, and, and was phenomenal for our room. Um, but then you have a guy like Talon Shumway, who was, so, who was the complete opposite end of the, uh, of the spectrum and was very quiet, led by example, was the grand, everyone called him grandpa in the room because he was truly the senior in the room. <laughs> and so I think these guys are right in the middle, you know, of that spectrum. And, and I'm just excited for what they bring. You know, it's been really fun speaking about leadership to those guys and not forcing any, um, you know, roles in and just kind of being themselves and, and and taking the lead a little bit more. And I think they've responded well, and I know they'll continue to. Bessie, who's the outspoken guy in the wide receivers room this year? Because Gunner uh, doesn't seem like he's that type of personality, and Neil doesn't yeah. seem that way. So is, is it Dax or is it somebody else? The most outspoken person probably is Keanu Hill. Um He's, he's kind of got the most, maybe it's a Texas thing, you know, he lives by Micah. And so maybe that the water they drink down there causes them <laughs> to just be a little more spunky. So, but Keanu is probably more outspoken guy, but of, of the three, of the three I mentioned, um, gosh, I don't know that they're all kind of the same and just in just their reservation and stuff. So. Yeah. As long as they perform on the field, they could be completely quiet off, you know, as long yeah, as they score exactly. touchdowns, it's all good. It's all good. You could yeah, be loud no off, but nothing on it. I don't you know. Whatever. Let's talk about some of the Amen. newcomers. Um, you mentioned uh, Keanu Hill and a Chris Jackson, a JC transfer that Gunnar Romney said is fast. And then Cody Epps had an incredible career. Are those three of the top newcomers coming in? Um, yeah, they're, they're three of some of the top. I, you know, there's a huge pool of guys. You mentioned um, Keanu and Chris Jackson. You got guys like David Taika who played. You got Cody Epps um, who's coming in. The other two freshmen, Miles Davis, Terrence Fall. Talmadge Gunther has made a huge transformation offseason in terms of, um, you know, uh, his body composition. He's become faster, and he's he's experienced and knows the playbook well. Um, you got Luke Andrada, who I know a lot of people are excited about to see, you know, how he emerges. So there's a pretty solid group um, of guys that, that, that can be competing for easily the 4, 5, 6 spot and very well break into that 1, 2, 3. You know, I'm not completely closing that off, but I do want those guys to feel that, that if you want to crack into that top, you got a lot of work to do. How you mentioned four, five, six. How many uh, do you use reasonably, uh, assuming no one gets hurt? I think five's a healthy number for me. 
um, you can see that first year, uh, two years ago, um, there was about, there were, there were about eight guys I could have played. And I usually rotated through seven, which was, is it's too much. And, and, um, you know, I felt they called for it at that time, but I, I think, me settling into my role and to knowing this offense and the group I have, I feel five is a pretty, pretty healthy number. I would like three guys to kind of get the majority and then kind of have a couple guys on deck ready to go. BYU football is looking to take the next step specifically in the red zone. The offense had great success at times, but ran into some, some problems within the red zone. So how can your group, your receivers help out the quarterback so that that red zone efficiency gets higher? Yeah, it's interesting. We've been watching a lot of that just as a staff. Um, and so just from a broad perspective, self, those self-inflicted um, penalties are what killed us. You know, we had a lot of, lot of, lot of penalties that happened in the red zones, dumb mistakes. Um, and we know as coaches, it starts from us too in, in, in getting that discipline down. And so in terms of our room, the biggest thing is just being ready when your name is called and, and, and making those plays, not doing anything to set our offense back in terms of uh, penalties and, and, and pre-snap uh, mistakes. And so, um, you know, we got we to gotta smell blood when we get into the red zone. And that's kind of what I want to, um, you know, give to my guys. When we get down there, you got you to gotta amp it up, get ready to do your role, whatever that might be, and, and get ready to, to help us get into the end zone. Both of the volleyball programs have the crowd do a do a you know kind of shark gator clap. They play jaws, you know, gator clap. They smell blood in the water. Do you need the fans to do that in the red zone? Maybe every you know smell blood in the water. Is that a thing that would help the receivers? That's that's a great project. I think you could take upon yourself this fall. <laughs> All that's they need to do idea, is play man. jaws. Everyone will start doing it. There you go. You guys should get that up on the, the Jumbotron. You lead it, Jerem. Let him know. Just, just Red lead, zone. Lead the charge. Blood. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. I um, like Shark, by the way, too, not the Gator. You yeah. got to stay away from that. So. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's talk about the pros and cons of an extended-ish fall camp, right? Uh, it's not technically extend fall camp, but it basically is, right? What are the pros and cons of, of you know, what's going to happen in July in an attempt to sort of make up for spring ball and get everyone in shape and ready for the season? Yeah, I think the major pro is just the obvious is, is an early jump on things. We lost time, um, you know, with spring ball. And so to be able to get a quick jump, to get the guys back in, acclimated a little bit, some of these freshmen, um, these newcomers who need to know the playbook, I think that's where you gain your biggest value in an early start. Um, and then the con is just is, is, is the burnout effect and making sure that we manage these guys um, because as much as we would love to use every single day of the six week period and, and grind them, you can't, um, it's just, they're, they're not programmed. Their bodies aren't used to that. Um, and so we've got to, we got to be able to know how to manage that. And so there's definitely more pros than cons to this. I'm glad we have it. And I'm confident that as a staff, you know, we'll be able to, to monitor that time the right way. Fessy, as we let you go, I want to bring up a tweet that you sent out uh, about five days ago, and I quote, it's one thing when you've had a song stuck in your head for seven hours and you can't stop whistling slash humming it. It's another thing when that song is frozen into the unknown. (laughs) Have you overcome this song in your head yet? I I did until you just brought it back up now. So the rest of the day, I'm going to be miserable now, and and it's your fault. (laughs) The struggle is real. Just think of Jaws. Just think of Jaws. (laughs) oh yeah Bessie great stuff man great to catch up with you we'll talk to you soon appreciate you guys always good to talk BYU wide receivers coach Fessy Sataki on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline Deseret First you know why we show how guess I can't go to his office jeez especially now (laughs) not after I brought up Idina Menzel and into the unknown (laughs) Uh, yeah John Travolta 
We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Who you got at number one, Jerem? Video game Jimmer Fredette versus Utah or actual Jimmer Fredette versus Utah? I have video game Jimmer. He has better range. He has better range. <laughs> video game Jimmer, as we learned from college basketball 2009-10. Look at this. Look at this clip. Boom. Just catches, chucks. Footwork, awful. Two seconds in the shot clock. Nothing but net, baby. I got video game Jimmer. Jonathan Tavernari said, uh, yeah, classic Jimmer. Not passing the ball ahead to a wide open Tyler Haas and launching from 70 feet. He was feet. five feet in front of him and off balance. <laughs> I've got the actual Jimmer. He did this. He did this in real life against Utah. Albeit yeah, it was yeah. closer to half court, but he actually did this on the road. What, didn't pass? Yeah. 32 <laughs> points and a half. I'm going with the real deal, man. Yeah. This happened. Why are we using my angle from under the basket? I should, it's a beautiful shot. Find that in the archives, it's man. Beautiful, look at this guy. He's walking. And, yeah. No, he's in his face. That was a great shot. All right, number two. Who you got? Michael Smith or Jim Fredette in a free throw contest? Mike Smith. Because Mike Smith has a lot of time on his hands to just shoot free throws right now. And Jimmer doesn't? Well, Jimmer's got kids to worry about, things. Mike has like 12 kids. They're all grown from, up, though. From his... Well, Mike, no, this one's not grown up. She's in the house still. Mike Smith is maybe the purest shooter from the free throw line in the history of BYU basketball. He went 60 in a row, he, he says in this video, and I believe him. It's crazy. It's so crazy how unbelievably gifted he is just as an athlete. He's like a scratch golfer. Yeah, he at can the, still at the shoot league. lights out, not just from the free throw line, but the three-point line. He's the best shooter in his house. He was. Uh, he's had uh, you know a kid that played college volleyball. Um, for Long Beach State, I believe, right? Um, uh, he was a high school quarterback. Like, I'm, going, I'm going Mike Smith. I think he wants that. He, he wants that pressure. But in a free throw contest straight up, I'll take Mike Smith barely over Jimmer. Oh, I, I, I don't know on that one. I can't, I can't decide. I, I have no idea. <laughs> Make a selection, Jerem. I choose Jimmer Smith. <laughs> Michael Fredette. <laughs> Oh, fine. <laughs> Number James, three. James Smith. Jeremy's 50. He is I've 1 no million percent on the fence there. Yeah. That's tough. It's uncomfortable. Okay. <laughs> Sitting on that fence. I'm going to tip over. <laughs> Number three. Who you got? 2011 Jimmer. Yeah. Or the rest of the field in the ESPN top 10 individual seasons of the one and done era. This is from John Gassaway. They had Jimmer at number 10. Mm -hmm. Trey Young, Ty Lawson, Buddy Heald, Frank Kaminsky at number five for crying out loud. Why don't you name the top four that were actually Top four, great. Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, Steph Curry, Zion Williams. Oh, there it is, yeah. But there are some other names in there. You can already tell where I'm going to this. That are ahead of Jimmer. Who who you got? The field oh, or Jimmer? Listen, I love the Jimmer. I've been to Glens Falls twice. I was the sideline reporter for us during that season. I love Jimmer. That was amazing. The field is way better. Like if collectively, um, no, I think the top four are better than Jimmer. I would put Jimmer Senior at five on this. Yes, list. so would I. That's where I would put it. I I look I looked it up and what Jimmer did was special. Top five team at one point. Sweet sixteen. There were two underclassmen NBA players with Kyle Collinsworth and Brandon Davies, but no one else helped carry the load offensively like Jimmer Fredette. Like he carried the t There were great role players on that team who became excellent players in their own right. Like Noah Hartsock leads the team in scoring the next year, blah, blah, blah. 
Kyle Collins with Brandon Davis playing the NBA. That was a great team. But Jimmer, what he did, the the usage rate on Jimmer and what he did for that team was better than anyone else on this list. Save Steph Curry 2008. Uh, based on Twitter principles alone and uh, things that were tweeted out like, I don't know, a decade ago, Jimmer's got to be ahead of Kevin Durant, right? Because KD was the because one that declared tweeted. him <laughs> the best shooter in the world. Best scorer in the world. Best scorer in the world, okay? In all seriousness, Trey Young, that was, that was unbelievable. His team lost in the second round. Jimmer got BYU without Brandon Davis to the Sweet 16. Ty Lawson, Buddy Heald. Ty Lawson played with a loaded team. Exactly. Why is Ty Lawson so nine on this? Hey, Kemba Walker, I think, deserves to be top five as well. He stole March. He dominated the month of March, won the biggest championship, won the national championship as a three seed with UConn. He, he had been like 10 games to do <laughs> Frank Kaminsky ahead of Kemba Walker and Jimmer Fredette. I love me a jump hook like everybody else. I like Frank. I think he's a good personality on social media, good basketball player, but not top five. Yeah, not top five. No, no. If you, yeah, Uh, Jimmer against the field, that's a tough, that's tough. But if it's, is Jimmer a top five season? Yes. Yes. Yes, for sure. Yes, in our incredibly biased opinion. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Former BYU men's golf star and PGA veteran Daniel Summerhays choosing to retire as a touring professional following the Utah Championship this week. He told the Deseret News he will try the education system and move into a teacher mentor role rather than the touring golf pro role. He's a family guy, and it's taken a toll uh, for sure to do that. It's not an easy lifestyle. So we wish the best to Daniel as he moves forward. When he was a student, he won the good win, and I interviewed him during a women's soccer game. And uh, I was trying to say Jack Nicholas, and I said Jack Nicholson. That was an exciting moment as a student. <laughs> because he, he broke some record that Jack Nicholas had said. Jack Nicholson. What do you think of the Golden just, Bear, Jack Nicholson? <laughs> and he just smiles like, you idiot. <laughs> you got a straight shooter. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, something about an axe and freezing or something. Yeah. All right. Nothing better than Jack Nicholson to take on, or to take us to, rather, the best to wear it. We're counting up to number 99. We're a third of the way through exactly as of today. One number each show, determining the best athlete to wear each number at Brigham Young University. It is 33 today. The Renaissance Man, a.k.a. Todd Christensen, is the best to wear 33 at BYU. This is the rare instance of a guy that was good at BYU, but was great in the pros. Todd Christensen led BYU in receiving for three years. uh, 74-77 was when he was here. Out of Eugene. Second round pick of the Cowboys. Never actually played for the Cowboys. Made his dough with the Raiders. Led the Raiders uh, in in catching from 82 at 86. All pro four times. I couldn't find this morning a reference for how many times someone was more times all pro. Maybe Steve Young, I assume. But I think Todd Christensen might be the second best player ever from BYU in the NFL. We land on number 34. Number 34, Fred Roberts is the guy. We had him on the show recently. And uh, when he finished at BYU's second all-time leading score, he's now down to ninth. There have been a lot of good players. Fred was uh, one of the best to come out of BYU in the early days. Played 78 to 82. 
top 20 all-time still in rebounds, assists, blocks, field goal percentage, among others. Two-time first-team All-Wack, 81 and 82, mm. drafted in the second round by the Bucks. played in the NBA for a long time, 83 to 93, and then 95 to 97, seven different teams. And in the 89 Eastern Conference semifinals, put up 33 points guarded by Dennis Rodman for most of that game. He is perhaps, hard to find this out exactly, but the only player in NBA history to be a teammate of both Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. That's kind of fun. Yeah, how many guys Celtics, played Lakers. with uh, the two greats in that era, right? Honorable mention, Noah Hartsock. Fun story with Noah. So Jimmer Fredette scores 52 against New Mexico in the semifinals of the 2011 Mountain West Conference Tournament. I'm interviewing Noah after, and I said, what will you remember from this night? And he said, this is the night that Jimmer Fredette and I combined for 59 points. <laughs> it's a great story. And then uh, Lori Vreken, ninth in scoring at BYU and BYU Women's Hoops. Some of you are saying, what about Coach Satake, number 34? You're right. He was 34 as well. He was number 34. It's hard to as be. As a player, yeah, he was, he was a solid player. He's, he's not one of the best ever wear 34 of BYU. It's hard to be you know what I mean? in that category Clark. as a fullback. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, if he was the primary guy and he ran for 1,000 yards, it was sure. Like if no. there were a category of like, oh, he uh, led 10 touchdown scoring drives with the critical block at the goal line against power five opponents, there's, there's nothing like he that. He did against Virginia did, in did overtime in 2000, I remember. Who's the athlete at number 35, Jerem? It's Devin Durant, and we didn't have to ponderize on it. We just knew it, okay? He played two at BYU from 78 to 80, went on his mission to Madrid, played two after, and man, he was good. Man, he was good. Fifth all-time in scoring. When he left, I believe he was third. He was a monster, his junior and senior years especially. Those teams were so talented. What a great score. Tenth in field goal percentage. Second most 30-point games to guess who, Jimmer. Second highest scoring average in a season, uh, 27 uh, a game one year to Jimmer's senior year. 27 a game. 27.9, I think, almost 28. All-American is junior and senior years, three NCAA tournaments, three WAC championships, second-round pick to the Pacers, two years in the NBA, three years in Europe, former member of the Sunday School General Presidency in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So you may have seen him in uh, – general conference and i like what our graphic says here certified bucket i mean <laughs> devin durant for his career average 19.5 career normally you don't play a ton when you're a freshman sophomore devin durant went on a mission if he had not gone Ooh, on a mission 81. BYU probably could have gone to the final four but obviously that was the thing that he pursued and was a uh, incredibly beneficial in his life but that was a big question mark when durant left was how was BYU going to replace you know, some of that. And uh, they went to the Elite Eight. It worked out. So Devin Durant is, is uh, of course, amazing. And, of course, the brother of Mark. Funny story. So one time I'm at Mountain View High School down in Mesa, Arizona. I'm, I'm there at Christmas hanging out with my mom. And we're covering Provo and Tiffany High School sports at the time. So I go. I think you went to Grand Junction at that time. I go to M- Mountain View to see Provo, Brandon Davies, and Kyle Collinsworth playing a game against somebody. And Devin Durant's there because his kid's on the team. And I ask Devin, I say, hey, are you Mark's older brother? Just to introduce myself, and Mark said, he's probably never been asked that question. <laughs> he said, it's about time that he was asked that and not the other way around. Oh, are you, are are you, you Devin's Mark's, brother? Yeah, are, are you Mark's brother? Yeah, so he, Mark was very amused, but Devin's an all-timer, man. He's awesome. Uh, yeah, worthwhile to ponderize what he did at BYU. And yeah, it's hard dude. not to wonder, what if Devin Durant had played on that 1981 team with Danny Ainge and Greg Kide yeah. and Fred Roberts? Yeah, pretty crazy. Holy Honorable mention, God. by the way, Lake Hemuli. 
who was amazing. He was uh, one of the, the main running backs on the uh, 1984 National Championship team. And in the 80s, he was really, really good. Um, ends up being, you know, top seven in, in a lot of things, in rushing yards and carries and touchdowns. Lockheed Miller was really, really yeah, good. And, and that's when BYU was at the height of their passing attack. Yep, here we see him catching a, t- or, uh, a reception. Uh, that's what you do. You catch a reception. Um, Lockheed was legit. And, and we love Lockheed because we know some family. Yes. Our guy, Hema. We love Hema. Also, his son, Houston, is playing at Stanford. Another uh, one that got away. <laughs> hey, who knows what the future holds there, huh? That's, that's true. <laughs> that's true. It's a big transfer you or something. But yeah, BYU-Stanford, you're going you're gonna to see Houston. Hey, we talked about it. It's the, it's the Church of Christ of Latter-day Saints Bowl. We need to figure out a shorter name for that. I have one, but we've been asking that. How motivated that. will that Stanford team be once all their Pac-12 competition is complete and in comes BYU to close out the regular Hopefully season? Hopefully they've lost to Cal the week before and they just stink and they're not division winners and they don't care. Or maybe they're riding an emotional high after beating Cal and there's an emotional letdown. True. They're prepping for the Pac-12 title game? No, that's not going to all right, it's time for the best to wear. We're counting up to 99, one number each show. Today, it's all about number 36. Who is the best athlete to wear number 36 at BYU, Jason? How about we go with Bob Davis? I love it. 1986 through 1989 with BYU football, 349 tackles, 12 sacks, Woo! seven tackles for loss, nine pass breakups, forced fumble, an INT, and a touchdown. Did you know, Spencer? He ranks uh, with the eighth most tackles in BYU. Let's go history. Look at Bob with this huge. Dude, I love pad. the. I, I love those like just shoulder pads, like the the <laughs> accentuated neck pad. This is so great. <laughs> he was a two-time All-American. Bob in, the Builder, eighty-eight and eighty-nine. He was a two-time first-team All-Whack player. Uh-huh. Nineteen eighty-eight. He was a Butkus Award finalist. 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 Yes, not just a nominee. Let's go. This is a great. By the way, this is, this is great. Before nineteen eighty-eight clash with the University of Miami, Davis said of one of uh, the quarterback of the Hurricane, Steve Walsh. I want to hit Walsh. I don't like that guy. <laughs> I want a sack. He's arrogant. He's always pointing and flaunting and talking. He's kind of like me. Great. It's fantastic. Oh, well, Bob and BYU didn't get him uh, in 88, but the Cougars got him in 1990 in Provo. They did. Great stuff. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. On BYU Radio. We are 71 days away from the opening kickoff of the 2020 BYU football season, which means it's time to debut the annual summer series 10 and 10 from Jerem Jordan. 10 lists in 10 weeks. It's Jerem 10 and 10. That's right. This is week one. We'll do the top 10 teams BYU will face in 2020. Let's go. Left off the schedule. North Alabama live on BYU TV. Mm-hmm. And Utah State. I'm going to rough some whoa. feathers with that one. Whoa. Number 10, Northern Illinois. They went 5-7 and seven last year under first-year head coach Thomas Hammock, who's the former running backs coach of the Ravens. This is a program that at one point won 57 games in five years. Former Cal quarterback Ross Bowers, who didn't play against BYU in 2018, is back for a second season there, sixth college football season, and second in what city? 
DeKalb. Four starters return on the O-line behind unproven running backs. This is a revenge game from 2018. It'll be in Chicago. Um, I, I don't have an issue with Northern Illinois number 10, but I just can't believe Utah State's not on the list. Who who should I put uh, behind them? That's Probably. the question. Number nine, Houston. People expect Houston to be good at some point. Oh. I'm, not, I'm not sure it's this year. They were 4-8 last year. Injury riddled. Derek King transferred. Clayton Toons to clear quarterback. Four Power 5 transfers eligible to play in the secondary after a bottom 20-year in scoring yards and pass yards allowed. I think Houston will be better, but again, we're going to go down this list. Tell me why they should be higher. Uh, because they're better than San Diego State, for one. Uh, Houston, Are they? Yeah, I think so. Houston's okay. a... Why? They're a 60% favorite to beat BYU in Pro Bowl, according to ESPN's FPI. I, I think they're going to be sneaky. Yeah. Okay, number eight, Michigan State. Like, would you put them over Michigan State? Seven and six, 2019. ESPN FPI number 67 right now. New head coach Mel Tucker from Colorado takes over for Mark D'Antonio. Quarterback uh, Brian Lewerke graduated. New, new guy could be Rocky Lombardi, perhaps the second greatest football name of all time to Dick Butkus or freshman Peyton Thorne. Defensively, three starters back from a top 20 defense. Spartans have the, Spartans have the same record as BYU the last two years, 14 and 12. Number eight, Michigan State, number eight, Houston, nine. First year head coach. I think they're figuring it out. Woo. Number seven, Mizzou, six and six last year. No bowl game due to a one-year ban. A rogue academic tutor fired Barry Odom, hired Eli Drinkwitz from 12 and one Appalachian State. And yeah, that's how you say it. There's a four-way QB battle in spring. Front runner likely being TCU quarterback Sean Robinson. Running back Larry Roundtree, the third, has put up 700 plus in three seasons. See, I, uh, I that's fair. Missouri, I think, is going to be a middle of the pack team that BYU faces this year, six or seven. So I'm, I'm on board with that. I still can't get over the Houston Michigan State eight and nine. Number six, San Diego State. Aztecs oh. in the middle of the best run of wins since the 70s. 49 wins the last five, including 10 last season. Rocky Long. Back in New Mexico as the D.C. Brady Hoke is the head coach again after being the D-line guy. Last year's defense was legit. Top five in points, rushing yards, turnover margin, yards allowed. That won't be the case this year, but it's what they do. They have a good defense and a good enough offense. They have a new O.C. and Jeff Hecklinski. Carson Baker's back. He quarterbacked San Diego State to the win with 13 hole points. Uh, and Georgia Tech transfer Lucas Johnson is there as well. Wow, the Aztecs better than Missouri and Michigan State and oh, Houston. Power five bias there. Number five, Whoa. Stanford. Cardinal were four and eight last year. They'll be better, but how much better? KJ Costello transferred to Mississippi State with Mike Leach. So Davis Mills is the guy, but he went one and five in his starts in 2019. Doesn't help that Stanford isn't Stanford. They were seventh in the Pac-12 in rushing last year. Seventh worst in FBS and offensive field position. Number four, we got to go fast. Arizona State, 8-5 and five in 2019, FPI number 48. People are really high on them. Herm Edwards building something. They think they'll be good. I'm not sure their 10 wins good, but Jaden Daniels was a freshman last year, 17 touchdown, two picks. Good He'll be way better. Number three, Utah. They were as high as five in the college football rankings last year before stumbling against Oregon and Texas. They reload. Jake Bentley transferred from South Carolina. Brent Keithy, legit tight end. Number two, Boise State. I think they're going to have a great mm. season. They'll be the best group of five team. They have Florida State at home, by the way, and BYU. Revenge game. Tank Bachmeyer's back. Uh, new offensive coordinator, Eric Kisa, former Patriots offensive analyst. And the best team BYU play this year is Minnesota. Banner year, 11-2, best record since 1904. Tanner Morgan's probably the best quarterback. BYU will face 3,030 touchdown guy. They're going to be a top 25 preseason team. Yeah, I had no issues with one through four. These are some real fun uh, 
Yeah, predictions there from five to like, nine. Utah State could be okay, but I don't see how they're in the top nine. And for the record, last year you were pretty solid on six of the ten. I did the research and looked up your ten and ten last year. Mm. Pre- I'll take good. six. You only, you only missed really on one, and that was San Diego State. But who thought they were going to win ten games? I'll take six, man. I'll All take right. four for me. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio.